Hi, I'm Mark Kent. And I'm Jacob Pusey. And you're listening to the Art and Science of Running podcast. If you climb the sea. Welcome back to another episode of the Art and Science of Running podcast. This is going to be the beginning of season two. It's hard to believe that we've been at this for, for more than a year. And so we decided that this would be an appropriate time to start season two. So it's good to have you back, Mal. Hey, yeah, it's good to uh, good to hear a familiar voice. And um, it's been a while again, and uh, so much has happened. So it's really good to reconnect. Looking forward to it, yeah. Yeah, uh, <laughs> these used to be fairly regular in-person meetings, yeah. um, in, including with our other guests, oftentimes that were in the area. Um, but uh, due to current uh, global pandemic and geography, that isn't a possibility anymore. Um, but uh, a lot has happened since we since we last met. And so we we felt like we should um, give a little bit of an update uh, about ourselves and and about the podcast and just kind of what we've been up to. So um, yeah. the truth is, we we actually have several episodes that we recorded and that we were um, preparing to publish, and then uh, things things went from busy and abnormal to just like full on crazy. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, we just didn't have the time to, uh, upload the, and publish everything, uh, at least with the thorough show notes that we wanted to provide because we, we met with some, some very interesting people with a lot to share. Uh, the, the good news about this topic, <laughs> uh, the general topic of the art and science of running is that each of those conversations is still very current um, and and really important. Um, a couple conversations that we had um, were with authors and shoe designers and advocates and um, just some really interesting conversations. And so and and I feel like this this is a good time to start season two and and we'll we'll give you a few teasers as far as who some of those guests are so that you can look forward to to some of those guests. Sorry, right. child interruption. Uh, yeah. So um, we are on opposite sides of the pond. And so for Malk, it's bedtime <laughs> right now. <laughs> or at least for, for his son, it is. And uh, on my end, it's it's uh, just a little bit afternoon. So, um, yeah. Indeed, That's yeah. where we're at. Yeah. Yeah, it's been, um, yeah, it's been quite the roller coaster for the two of us but i mean everybody listening to uh, to this podcast i'm sure um probably wondering where we've gone to uh <laughs> do we, are we still around um yeah so much has happened um and i guess really kind of out of the two of us it's really 
the biggest story is probably on your side, I would say. Um, uh, I, I've been like many people kind of living the simple life of, uh, of COVID related restrictions, but, um, but yeah, I think, I guess the, the, the world that you operate in has definitely sort of seismically shifted in, in the last few months. If, if I, if I, if I've summed that up correctly. Yeah. Um, in fact, the last time we, we met and, and recorded an episode, I, I believe we, we had some sense of, you know, <laughs> things that might, uh, be challenging, but, but we had no idea of the gravity of what was going on. Um, I think I, I just mentioned to you kind of in confidence that, you know, if you hadn't heard from my brother, because the two of you had been working on, um, some things, he was, That's right, yeah. um, you were going to help, um, monitor some things with, with the run scribe, um, sensors. And, and we had had a discussion about that maybe a month prior, um, amongst the three of us. And, um, and then, uh, so my brother, Tommy Rivers Pusey, um, was a guest on episode number 11 of this yeah, uh, right. podcast. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. anyway, he, uh, he was coming out of the Grand Canyon, um, for what was meant to be kind of a beginning of a, a documentary process for his footwear sponsor craft. And, uh, he was running with a videographer and a, and a stout runner and a friend um, named Derek Lytle. And they were running down in the night and um, he couldn't really make it back up. And he wasn't, even though he had built um, his self back after tearing his meniscus and, and uh, hamstring at the, at the Houston marathon in, in January. So, um, he had worked his way back from, from scratch basically, and was, was really trying to get back after it. And, uh, and he, he had a really rough night in the Canyon and, uh, you know, Derek helped him get out, but he, he began coughing up blood and, um, and even then he still thought it was dehydration. He had, he had been down in the Canyon a couple of days before and, um, offered his water to some hikers that weren't hydrated enough. And so he kind of suffered dehydration. So at, at first he just thought maybe it was dehydration or even maybe rhabdo, but he still felt like it was okay. And then when he realized it, it was getting into his lungs, um, he thought it was pneumonia, either a bacterial or viral pneumonia. And then, and then he started to think maybe it was COVID. So he self-isolated for 14 days away from his wife and kids, um, in their, in their home. And, uh, yeah. And then he was admitted to the hospital and, and was in ICU for about three weeks in Flagstaff. Um, and by the end of that stint, I mean, he was essentially on life support the whole time. And, uh, and then it, it was discovered that he, rather than just a pulmonary infection, uh, or dehydration, which we, <laughs> at this point we wish it were, um, he was diagnosed with a very aggressive form of cancer called NKT cell primary pulmonary lymphoma. Wow. So, um, and he has been on life support for three months, um, and receiving extensive treatment just to keep him alive. Um, but good news is he has, he's been discharged from the ICU. This was three months ago, <laughs> uh, but that's, that's part of why we've been silent. Um, he's, he's been discharged from the ICU and is now, um, preparing, he's in the oncology wing of the 
hospital and will likely be there for another uh, couple of months. And, um, and he will, um, he's preparing for a bone marrow transplant. So, wow. so yeah, that, that was a lot yeah. to handle. Um, and, and, um, and so essentially as soon as he was admitted to the hospital, um, I've been trying to do whatever I can, um, to help with fundraising, um, and to field questions from the media and, and even just the fear and anxiety and the grief, um, have been overwhelming. Yeah. So, um, I, um, it's, it's definitely impacted my, my life, um, my time, my health. Um, and so I've, I've tried to keep my business afloat, (laughs) my coaching business afloat, uh, and while also maintaining my health and, and trying to still be a good, uh, partner and father and that sort of thing. So, and you've done, uh, I mean, yeah, you've like, you, you touched on it there, like some of the initiatives, some of the fundraising stuff. Um, cause you had, so you, you had this, uh, run with Riv's, um, uh, kind of initiative. And, um, mm-hmm. it looks like, I mean, I've been following obviously like other people have been following on social and it's definitely got some good traction and people have been getting into it. And, um, I even saw some of those kind of messages of support that you, that you shared with everyone. Like it's, um, yeah, it's really, it's really, uh, connected a lot of people and uh, touched a lot of people from what I can see anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely has. There was a, there was a, an actual run initiative, actually two <laughs> concurrently. Um, there was one called run with ribs that, um, essentially the Flagstaff run community run Flagstaff, the founder of run Flagstaff along with, uh, so his name is Vince Sherry and then, the coach of NAZ elite Ben Rosario, and then the coach at Northern Arizona university, Mike Smith, they rallied both the, the local Flagstaff community, but also like the greater running community, at least North American running community, um, behind a, a fundraising initiative for the run itself. Um, and then craft, uh, produced some, some technical shirts that say run with ribs on it that they're selling through their U S and Canadian sites and may be available on the European site soon. Um, and then they've also created some team team ribs, um, performance trucker hats, and then working on a lifestyle trucker hat. So, so there, um, there have definitely been some, uh, there's been some momentum behind, um, raising funds for the family. Also IFIT, which is another one of his um, employers. They, they did an initiative called run for ribs um, where on, on a, on a single day, however many number of miles people logged on IFIT that day, the, the, that same number of dollars would be donated to the family. Wow. And then there's also a GoFundMe account that's been established. Um, and there have been some others. Uh, one of his friends, um, Caleb Schiff at um, Pizza Cleta, a, a local pizza shop in Flagstaff, they they did a, a pizza night where 100% of sales would go to the family. And so, um, wow. I hope I'm not forgetting. I, I, there have been other. There was an auction as well um, where a number of athletes donated items that could be auctioned off, and then. Um, 
wh- whoever the highest bidder was um, w- would receive that um, or would, yeah. w- would make a donation to the GoFundMe campaign and then receive that item, whether that was an Olympic kit <laughs> from Magda Boulay or um, shoes or swag or different things from, from different sponsors and things. So, so a lot of people have rallied around him. Um, you know, we were definitely in the keep him alive sure. phase yeah. um, for, for three months. I mean, it was, it was touch and go for a number of wow. days there. Um, but now we're in the, okay, now we're transitioning from preservation and um, just life support to, to recovering from, well, continuing to, to gain strength, uh, recover from the chemo and, and eliminate the cancer and then, and then just recover hopefully completely as much as possible. But, yeah. but I mean, it's because he was in a coma and paralyzed medically induced paralysis and, and coma, um, he's, he's still, you know, having to, basically he's having to learn to, to move his hands and fingers and toes and um, the rest of his body stand, sit, support himself. Um, he still hasn't been able to eat any food. It's he's still receiving all this food through tubes. And, uh, and up until a week ago, he was, he, he, he wasn't able to breathe on his own. So, so, I mean, it's been, it's been lots of baby steps to just um, wow. get enough of the cancer out of his body so that his or and out of his lungs so that his lungs can function and support him. So yeah, yeah it's been a long road for sure. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It puts things, it puts a lot of things into perspective, doesn't it? It's, uh, it's amazing. Yeah. And um, so I was in, in, interested in asking like, um, like on a personal level for you, um, is, is are there any, any specific kind of ways or, things that come to mind like in, in terms of like how it changes like you going forwards like um there things you're gonna you're, you're gonna do differently in the future or ways that's gonna affect you do you think um yeah i mean i i think in a lot of ways it 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 has not only um helped me recognize my own mortality um but also help me try to simplify my life and appreciate the, the, the most important and essential things in life, mm. um, family, close friends. I, I think that this, the COVID situation is doing that for all of us. Um, yeah. many of us obsess about work and about <laughs> hobbies and things like that. And, and all of those are important. They're essential for life, but, um, this, this experience, um, has certainly, I would say broken and humbled me. Um, and, uh, so I, I hope it has changed my perspective enough that, that my, my actions towards others and the way that I prioritize my time and energy Mm. will, will change. Um, I feel like I said, I feel like this COVID situation has already it, it kind of set me up to, to a bit, but, but some people have been using the hashtag or saying things like we are all Tommy or todos somos Tommy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And, uh, and I, 
I think that's part of why, I mean, obviously he, he has a large social media following and, and he is pretty raw and vulnerable, um, with his public persona, but, um, he, it's pretty hard to, there aren't a lot of people who are as, as strong as he is. Um, and, and I'm not just saying that cause he's my brother. I, I, I think, I think part of the reason people connect with him is that they, they realize that a lot of who he is, um, isn't just genetic, that a lot of it is like, he, he's, he's, he's your, your, you know, quintessential blue collar runner. Like he, 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 he drank the Kool-Aid. He, he believed that you could, you could off your own efforts, like become something that you want to become. And, um, and it wasn't like it was, he was this pedigreed runner, you know, like our, mm. neither of our parents are runners, you know, and, uh, we didn't, we didn't have coach private coaches from the time we were kids or anything like that. Like most of who he is, is much of it come, came from the support that he's received from a young age, but a lot of it also came because he just, he put in the time when no one else was, was watching. Mm. And so, um, I, I think people, n- not just as a, not just running, but also doing the other ancillary work, the, um, on his, his core or trunk or whatever you want to call that. But, um, and, um, so I think the fact that he, as young as he is with a young family, the fact that he, it's one thing to get a running related injury. It's another thing to get a life threatening diagnosis like that when, when he is as healthy as he is. I mean, he, he eats well, he's, he's a good cook. He, he, he eats clean, you know, for the most part. And, um, that whole 80, 20 thing. (laughs) Uh, so it's, it's hard to imagine it. Well, I, I guess when, when you recognize that someone like him, could could get a diagnosis like this it it helps you recognize that you know no day is a is a given and to just Mm, right yeah be grateful and take advantage of every opportunity that you have yeah indeed yeah 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 i guess uh yeah it's uh not always easy to sort of like uh as, as a subject not not something easy to talk about i guess but um but i think uh well, I appreciate like, yeah, you are kind of explaining it and, uh, and going through it and, and giving such an honest, uh, account of it. Um, I know, I know the people listening will be, um, really interested to hear what, what you have to say and, and everything. So, and, and actually hear your voice saying the words. So I think it's, uh, I think it's going to be, going to be, uh, potentially like, in, yeah, inspirational to people. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Well, I, um, you know, it, it's still a long, long road ahead. And, and so I know sometimes people, once, once they hear that, you know, the, the most critical portion is, is over, um, to be honest, I, he'll, he'll more than likely be in the hospital for at least the same duration that he's been in. And then after that, he'll still probably have, uh, physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy. Th- this is just my, my yeah. own guessing, um, as an outpatient, but for, for the time being, because both because of the COVID crisis and because he has such a compromised immune system due to the chemotherapy excuse mm-hmm. me, that he's receiving. And, and then also the bone marrow transplant, he, he won't be able to leave the hospital for at least two to three months. So, sure, um, I so I, I hope that people will, <laughs> will continue to, um, to send their positive vibes and thoughts and prayers and, um, 
and support uh, his way, um, even w- without getting overly political and without making this sound like it's all about fundraising. Um, even with insurance, um, the bills that they will have will be greater than what most insurances would cover. Most insurances in the U.S. have caps. Um, my understanding is that some of the treatments that he's received likely wouldn't have been offered in countries that don't have private insurance um, or that wouldn't have been an option under a public um, right yeah. plan. And so some people are confused by, you know, how come, how come you're raising so much money? Why are you so worried? Uh, it, it, one of the things that's unique, not unique, but that is annoying and frustrating about the U S uh, healthcare system is that uh, you often don't know what the price of the services will be until you get the bill. And, or until you've been discharged. So there was a bill that was received after three weeks in Flagstaff. And I would assume that there might be one that comes our way now that he's out of the ICU, but you're not told like, Hey, this is, this is, you don't get a menu of services, so to speak, where you get to say, okay, we're going <laughs> to, we're going to order them a la carte uh, and budget or anything like that. It's just kind of like, you're charged at the end and, or your insurance is charged. But like I said, most right. insurance um, providers have caps um, no matter how good the insurance is. And just one of the treatments that he was receiving, it's called ECMO, uh, extra corporal membrane um, treatment. Uh, so he was, blood was being oxygenated. Blood was being put into his body, not in the blood doping sense, but, but like it was sure. bypassing his, his lungs entirely um, because his body wasn't uh, um, processing oxygen on its own. And so um, that treatment ranges between 10 and 25,000 a day um, in, in dollars. <laughs> and he was on that for 71 days. Usually that treatment is only offered for like uh, a one to three weeks in the most dire of circumstances. And so that, that gives some people the sense of how, how grave the situation was. His doctors have said that, you know, he likely very few other people would have even survived as long as he did to, to even be able to get the chemo to even be begin to attack the cancer. Like he was, he was already that, um, it had already it right. yeah. impacted his health so much that, um, that the fact that he was able to be revived and, maintained alive to address the cancer is a miracle in itself. And so now it's just recovering from all of that yeah. <laughs> anesthesia yeah. and atrophy and everything else. So. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? I, I don't mean to well, just, just talk about me and, and my personal no. life. Um, <laughs> um, no problem at all. I mean, no, that is the biggest talking point for sure. Um, I, I, uh, I think it was right that we started with it and, um, uh, if anybody tuned in to, uh, to to get the latest information, that's it. You, you can tune out if you want to. <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, it's been. Um, I mean, I, I think there's probably I would be right in saying, or not too far off the mark in saying that there there is a more kind of um, thoughtful, kind of sympathetic ear amongst people generally in the world today because because um, things have shifted so much in, in, in the last six months for pretty much everybody in in every country in some way. So, um, yeah. Um, and of course, yeah, the, uh, the running, the running community has been, um, been affected by that for sure. Um, so increase in running as far as I've seen anyway, in statistics, of course, people getting out trying to, uh, 
trying to get their space and their head time and, and get out running. Um, but equally at the same time, uh, no real chances for people to go race and, and, uh, um, and virtual races at best, which is cool for some people, but some other people are like virtual races. That's ah, not a proper race. I'm not interested in that. Um, I know some people that, that I've helped, um, stepped away from running because they were just like, well, if there isn't, or if there aren't races to, uh, to shoot for, then, then I'm going to go do something else. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's been, uh, it's been quite the kind of like upside down sort of time, of course. Um, and then, and then, you know, just recently, um, we were, we were, we were touching on previously, we've actually have had a, um, international, uh, major marathon race of sorts, <laughs> um, where um uh Hugh Brasher is the guy that sort of puts it on and you know has tried to sort of like push as hard as possible to get something uh something uh resembling a race of sorts that people could watch and get behind so um and and that was London Marathon of course last weekend so um and then we're fortunate yeah we've got an episode to come in the future um with yourself uh talking to somebody very um uh much connected to to that marathon but um, yeah, it's been quite something. And then just kind of like uh, to make it even more upside down, uh, the person that we thought was all all conquering and totally infallible <laughs> ran one of his slowest time. Well, I think it was like second slowest time in it he'd ever run in a marathon and didn't look very good. <laughs> so yeah, it's. Uh, I think in a way that that race and that results has. Um, it's sort of resembled on, in a micro level <laughs> the sort of difference between what people think is about to happen next versus what reality actually delivers in the year 2020. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was it was slated as, you know, it was supposed to be this big showdown between Bekele and um, Kipchoge because yeah. Bekele um, had, he won the previous year, correct? I mean, he, he almost broke the the record in um he he almost broke the the world record he was off by a couple seconds right in the in the new um, yeah that's right when he raced uh, when he raced last year and um and uh elliot was not uh racing elliot was um was preparing himself for the for the vienna for the for the sub two hour yeah that's right yeah yeah and so it was that was a uh that was kind of a big deal um that well one that it was can't that the Bekele pulled out at the last minute um and then um let's see <sighs> yeah um yeah and that Kipchoge yeah. lost but yeah. I mean th- there were some standout performances that we that we don't want to lose <laughs> uh sight of those um I mean f- from a personal s- side <laughs> point and this isn't meant to be euro american centric but but these are connections that i have i know you have the connections and in running and so i'll let you go into that and and you you have roots in in east africa so you 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 probably know some of those runners better than i do but um yeah one of our one of the interviews that we did be that we haven't published yet was with um was with sarah hall and she had a standout race i mean she came back i mean I, i guess to understand the race it was it was a different setup it was you know there were no spectators the athletes had to arrive and live in a bubble kind of like the NBA has been doing. Um, they had to, um, only they could be 
in their, um, it, or they and their coaches and agents or whatever, but it was a very limited um, field, like an Olympic Village kind of setting, but not no leaving um, the facility, to my understanding. And then, it, um, including to run, they were limited in terms of where they they had to stay in the bubble to run. And then it was a looped kind of criterion course that they were doing. Yeah. And um, let's see. Yeah. So Sarah came back way back. I mean, it was, it was rainy. It wasn't ideal conditions, but it like the weather was decent. And Sarah Hall came back and, and ran uh, a, a personal best and, and one of the f- top 10 fastest times in, in U S history for, for a woman two twenty two oh one or 09 or something like that. Like wow. um, yeah. very fast. And she had run two twenty two, I believe in Berlin, but high um, last year or two years ago. Um, but, but didn't, didn't have, the best performance at the Olympic trials in Atlanta. And so, um, this was a, I think she was hoping to be able to run Boston kind of as redemption, the, the, the fall version of Boston. And then that got canceled altogether. And so it was really good to see her do that. She did run in a new pair of ASICs super shoes. Um, so that will be, uh, it'll be interesting to learn more about those, but, but anyway, uh, Sarah ran really well and we, we have an interview with her that was recorded, um, as part of this buildup. Um, and it was a really good, um, interview. And to be honest, we, we, we speak about running, but, um, we also talk about just, um, her relationship with running and, and her family and how she balances that, you know, they, they like many of the listeners, her and her husband who, has run the fastest marathon in American history. <laughs> um, uh, they, he is her coach and, you know, so that can add all sorts of new dynamics or interesting dynamics to that coach athlete, um, dynamic. But, but in addition to that, they have, um, three children that, uh, that they adopted all at once <laughs> from East Africa. So we, from, from, from Ethiopia. And so we discussed that a little bit as well. So just like what it's like to, <laughs> to all of a sudden in the prime of your career, um, take on three kids, um, and, and become full-time parents and full-time professional athletes and coaches and that kind of thing. So, so we talk about that a little bit. And, uh, so it, it it'll be fun. I, I enjoyed the interview. It'll be fun re listening and, and publishing that. And I think many of our listeners will, will appreciate that um, conversation. And I, uh, I should mention that I, I only know Sarah because of my brother. I met, <laughs> I met her and Ryan at, uh, at a birthday party that we had for my brother and Flagstaff one year. And, um, and so that's the connection there. It was really fun to to let Tommy know that his friend Sarah ran as well as she did, and then also one of his training partners um, in Flagstaff before he went into the hospital. Um, his name is Scully. Um, he's Irish, and he's a former rugby player. Um, he, he, he set the um, the Irish uh, marathon record. He ran two oh nine. And uh, and Scully was at Houston when Tommy ran at Houston as well. So it was also fun to tell him that. His friend Scully um, ran so well, and and he he dedicated his his half marathon in the lead up to Tommy, and actually offered to, uh, I think he auctioned off his his jersey that he wore <laughs> for that race. So so anyway, it was just that connection, the personal connection to those two. Uh, you know, Sarah ran not only really fast, but she, she it was a phenomenal finish. Like she <laughs> she. She, she was a 1500 runner growing up, um, and in, in college and at Stanford. And she used that, that miler speed to, to run down. I mean, from well behind, she was hundreds of meters behind in third and came back and, and finished 
uh, in second. And so that was a, that was a fun sprint finish to watch as well. So, yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty amazing. And, um, and, uh, yeah, you, you're going to feel pretty proud after that. I mean, the only person that's beat you is basically the world number one. So <laughs> yeah, so that's, uh, that's quite something that really is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And for, um, and for Scully as well, I think, uh, you know, 209, when you consider that the guys didn't really run that fast and, um, and that wasn't actually that far behind, you know, um, yeah. the guys at the front, that's, that's pretty impressive too. Yeah. Very, 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 very cool indeed. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, and, and you can probably sympathize as well with this, you know, a lot of those guys, they only knew about the race like six to eight weeks before. Um, and some of them probably even a bit less than that. Um, not easy when you're kind of like right on the knife edge of performance versus um, overtraining versus getting injured. You know, you know, you're right on that knife edge. It's kind of hard to just uh, to just suddenly know, okay, I've got to go to a massive race um, <laughs> and then prepare like in a really well compressed time scale to normal. So, um, so I guess I mean anybody who performed so well on that day has really um has really come through because it's not <laughs> it's a kind of situation where you could easily easily get it wrong or easily um uh yeah have it all kind of come apart on the day because you didn't get that training and preparation time so it's i think it kind of like elevates the really good performances up a little bit more even you know because of that um circumstance so that's yeah pretty, very impressive stuff eh? yeah yeah it it definitely uh is impressive, but I, I think there's a lot that we can learn from it as well. Um, especially from those who, who ran as well as they did. Um, I, I listened to an interview, I think it was on the Sidious Mag podcast with Jared Ward, who kind of had oh, a yeah. similar experience to that of, uh, Sarah, uh, in, in terms of, you know, he, he qualified for the Olympics in 2016, um, and, and then had some pretty standout races at New York and in Boston, um, was definitely a favorite, um, and then didn't, didn't place well at all in Atlanta, didn't, didn't handle the Hills or the heat. Like, um, I think he and others expected that he would. And so he, he kind of had the opportunity to do that as to race, um, at London. I think like Sarah, he assumed he would get to run a, a, a fall Boston. <laughs> um, but that didn't happen. And, but he said that he had reduced his mileage significantly. I mean, probably by 20% at least, um, which is a big chunk. <laughs> um, yeah. if you're, uh, so I think he was averaging like 70 or 80 miles a week and normally in marathon mode, he's over a hundred miles a week, probably closer to 110, 120 miles a week. And, uh, so he was doing kind of shorter, faster, and also just sort of maintenance mileage, um, before he got this announcement that <laughs> there was a marathon, um, that he was going to be able to run. And, um, I actually didn't follow <laughs> where he finished, but when he talked about just the mindset, it was sort of like, yeah, I'm not where I would be normally at this point, but he also felt mm. like leading into the trials, he, he kind of felt like he was fried, like maybe his buildup, his marathon specific build was a little too much. And we've talked a little bit about that in, in previous episodes about um, periodization and, and training blocks and things like that. And in my experience, both personally and also with a lot of the athletes that I coach, I think, I think I, I have personally run my best um, when I've been healthy and, and had, had consistency, but not necessarily 
um, over thought or the process or, or, or been, I I haven't had time to, to try and cram (laughs) for the exam, so to speak. Um, so for example, a lot of my athletes ran some of their best races when I, when I coached even mid distance athletes, um, a lot of times my athletes would run some of their fastest times at the beginning of track season off of just purely base training, like maybe some strides, maybe a few fart licks, but mostly just putting in base mileage, making a few of the runs, progression runs or, or cut down runs, but nothing fancy, <laughs> just running on rolling terrain and, and having a big volume of a big aerobic base. And then they'd go blast the doors out. They were so excited to race, you know, because in track season, you're, you're racing like every week, sometimes twice a week. And sometimes the racing itself just buries you. And, <laughs> and so, uh, and, and, I mean, you're, it, it's just a game of like, okay, try to recover between races. Uh, whereas when you go in fresh and healthy and you haven't been wearing spikes multiple times a week <laughs> and things, you're, you're just ready to, to crush it. And, and that's happened to me before, um, not only in ultras, but like, um, I mean, when I, I guess this was an ultra, but when I ran, when I ran, when I broke two thirty for the first time in the marathon, uh, that was like, I was just training with a friend, you know, like I would join him every once in a while to to do his long runs. And I was, the plan was, I was just going to pace him to, (laughs) to sub two thirty, And then I, I I ran like two twenty five just out of nowhere and it felt effortless, but in part because I was kind of not worried about it. I wasn't fixated on the time. Um, and then even on the treadmill, um, when I ran the 50 mile, world record on the treadmill. Like I, I think I was given maybe like a month's notice or something like that. Like wow. I, I, I pitched it, you know, months in advance, but then by the time it actually like was, I got the, okay, like this is going to happen. It was like, Oh, huh. I don't really have a, I don't have a window to even do like a 50 K in the buildup or even, I don't even think I'd run a marathon in six months leading up to, <laughs> to that run. Maybe I had. But yeah, it, it wasn't like anything terribly specific. It was just kind of like, I'm just going to do what I'm doing. And okay, just do a little bit of sharpening on the treadmill to be a little bit specific, but it wasn't anything. I think my longest run on the treadmill prior to that was, at least in that buildup, was maybe like 30K or 18 miles or something. And then yeah. just went and did it. So. <laughs> so there you go. So everyone listening, uh, don't, don't stress. <laughs> go with the flow. And, uh, yeah, good things, good things happen sometimes when you're not, when you're not too over-focused on the target. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm kind of curious about, um, on a different subject, uh, well, kind of a, a later subject, wearing your kind of, uh, race, uh, director, organizer kind of hat, where, where are things at the moment for, for those of us that aren't in that kind of circle, that kind of community, um, obviously, you know, it's still very quiet at the moment in terms of options for people to run real races, let's say, uh, you know, what, from your perspective, like where, where is it at? Um, whether it's trail races or road races, like what's the future looking like? Is there, does anyone have any idea like, um, you know, three months ahead, six months ahead, uh, like what's the talk on the, on that subject at the moment? Um, there's a lot of talk. (laughs) That's kind of where it's at. Uh, there are some races happening in places where the gathering restrictions are not as 
severe or significant. Um, many of those, many of the races that I've seen are trail and ultra races that are happening at least in North America, but there are some happening in Europe as well. Um, generally the, the number of participants are, are naturally smaller in those, those gatherings than say big city marathons. Um, you know, mm. some New York city marathon has over 50,000 participants, let alone, you know, another million people on the streets spectating similar to Boston, um, Chicago, uh, there's a virtual Chicago this weekend. So, um, you know, the, I don't envision those coming back at least in the same manner as they have before. I mean, just uh, un- until there's a, a vaccine that everyone mm-hmm. accepts as this is, <laughs> uh, if it really is going to be like that, that show contagion where people have to show that they've been vaccinated <laughs> in order to be reintegrated yeah. into society. Um, so that being said, uh, one of the athletes that, um, I've worked with for years, um, is actually the volunteer coordinator, um, for the New York Roadrunners, And so they're in New York city, they are bringing back some of their smaller events, like doing some test runs there, or there's, there are plans being made for those. And I believe they had one last weekend or something. So that's happening. Um, but yeah, it really depends on geography and, and politics and <laughs> whether people want to listen to public health officials or whether governors mm-hmm. or mayors or whoever want to kind of say, you know, we're we're more concerned about the economy than public health or different things gotcha. like that. So it, it it seems as though the the races are being permitted at least trail running areas in more rural areas and at least in the u.s more republican areas right. <laughs> if, we're, if we're being honest we can't, we can't afford we can't talk about this without avoiding some amount of politics right yeah <laughs> yeah um and that doesn't necessarily mean it's by state but even just by by region um but mm-hmm. but like i said there there it is possible to to host some races even if they're longer distances like if if the cap as far as gatherings is say 50 or even 100 or 200 there are ways in a trail race where you can have a staggered start and things like that and and manage that number of people um you know we we opened registration for our stage race um that was post that was canceled for this year and postponed until next year we we opened up a few more spots even because we're hopeful that even if we if we double the number of entries and, and even under current restrictions other than the border being closed, um, we should be able to manage that number of people. It would, it, it will still likely look differently, but even if all things are the same, we, there, there are ways to manage, you know, up to 200 or so people. But but when you start talking about more than 500 or more than a thousand people, um, something's so, so even large trail races like some of the five peaks races yeah something would likely have to change uh in terms right. of breaking it up into two different days or you know having a, a very staggered starts uh, and waves and things like that um okay. but probably not the congestion in a in a corral uh, or in buses or things like that to, okay so, so i guess am i right in saying like using five peaks as an example um the kind of the hope is that when next season starts kicks off, um, that, that you that, that it can get going again with physical races again. Um, 
next year is that that's kind of the hope and the expectation i guess at the moment yeah i i think so i mean that's that's the hope for most race directors that i'm aware of um i have already seen that some events have been canceled for 2021 and part of that is because at least early in 20 i I just received an email this morning about the hag lake 50k which is in february in oregon uh i know the hurt 100 for 2021 happens in january that's already been canceled um so, and those are, those are relatively small events, but it, it, it's partially due to the permitting agencies. And so I think race directors certainly are keen to, to open race registration and to offer those to, and, and to just get creative and find ways to bring people together. And, you know, because like you said, it, it, it can be motivating to get people out the door and to, mm-hmm. some people need that carrot to, to motivate them to train and things like that. So, so it, uh, it's certainly, a, and, and economically, you know, people, if that's, if this is people's livelihood, um, both as athletes and as coaches and as race directors, um, it's, it's usually important to have those there, but, um, mm, yeah. but it, un, unless or until the, the permitting agencies w- will actually agree to dates and venue and, and blocking those out, you can't really <laughs> schedule an event until you get permission. And so that will vary from, I think, venue to venue based on who the permitting agency is and yeah, right, who the who the governing entities are that make those decisions. So yeah, yeah, cool. It's good to hear. Uh, anyway, your kind of uh, insight or an, an opinion on it for sure. Um, I would imagine a lot of runners are just kind of uh in their own sort of um space and have been for a while kind of watching social media watching the internet you know sort of um trying to trying to figure out you know what uh, what's happening where things are going can they plan something in three months time or four months time so it's it's good to hear from somebody um who's uh who's connected and uh and get those get your thoughts so yeah 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 and i mean to be honest i I, I don't know. There, there's a there's a race happening this weekend, the Moab 240, um, down in in Utah. So I know that there are races happening, um, but it, like I said, it, it will just vary from from place to place, country to country, region to region, state by state, or province by province, um, municipality to municipality. <laughs> like I mean, even even within the same state, there are certainly different um, concentrations of people and hot spots and things like that. So. There are races happening, um, including with uh, Aravipa has put on some races. Uh, we had Jamil Curry on earlier. Um, he's based in Arizona, but again, they're, they have different the population density in some of those areas are different yeah. than what what they are in large urban centers and things. So, um, how about you? We um, I know there there have been some some changes with what you, what you've been doing um, yeah. professionally and and with the technology that you've been working with. Yeah, that's, uh, that's true. Um, I guess the biggest uh, shift, um, well, I should probably start at the beginning of the story. Um, I've been involved, obviously, as uh, a lot of listeners will know, with the technology called RunScribe, um, probably for the last like two and a half years, I guess it is now. And um, and myself and Tim, Tim's the original founder of RunScribe, we've worked in parallel and um, in that two and a half years. And uh, it's it's always gone in, in waves and phases and uh I've done my thing with run physics. He's done uh, the run scribe stuff, but um, we've always had conversations about, okay, uh, <laughs> maybe there's some, maybe there's some good reason here to, 
to just work together as a team. So, um, and there's been some full starts in the past where we thought about it, had a go or, or whatever. It didn't, we didn't carry on doing it, but, um, but yeah, we've got, we've had some really good momentum with the technology, uh, this summer and, um, yeah, so we've, uh, we started to work together and, and now, now I basically sort of work on Runscribe as the focus. Um, so, uh, essentially in terms of, in terms of work focus in this area, uh, transitioning from run physics, which is what I was doing before, to to now uh, completely on Runscribe. So, um, so yeah, it's a, it's a, an exciting time, I guess, to see um, to see what we can do. And the biggest motivation really is to to take a product that has a lot of potential, can do a lot of good things, um, has been around for a while, and then sort of. Uh, fulfill its potential really like you know kind of take it where it should should be going in the future um get it into the hands of as many people as possible you know at the moment it still feels like we're just a slightly overgrown startup and um and and obviously we're only a two-man company so it really is kind of startup and so uh yeah it feels like we've barely kind of um uh touched the sort of the tip of the iceberg of um of of how many people can know about the technology or use it, you know, put it to good use, um, use it to help runners, uh, around the world. So, um, so that's kind of like, yeah, the kind of the future uh, plan of it, um, on that side. And we've got a little bit of like handy promotion again, like, uh, <laughs> in the last uh, week or so with, um, with the course, um, uh, Elliot, uh, wearing his pods, uh, as he was preparing for London Marathon, so that was handy. Um, it's good to know that he's still <laughs> he's still putting them on. <laughs> Hasn't thrown them in the bin or something. <laughs> so, so yeah, the fact that he's actually got an older generation of the pods. Actually, I wish he should get a new set. But um, yeah, so it was good to see. You know, like uh, a reminder that um, that uh, the technology is still out there and still being used in that way. So that's good. Um, and um, we we always had sort of one one kind of obvious sort of blind spot with the technology which was um for people who didn't have a biomechanics background or, or yeah kind of physiotherapy or whatever medical background was it was a bit tricky to sort of like get going with it um to understand what to make of all of the numbers and how to pull it together and say okay you know am i going to get injured here or is it you know what does this data mean so we just released a course as well online just last week, which is um, hopefully kind of one step towards uh, giving people a helping hand to get going with the technology and understand it. Because I, I, you know, for, for people out there who want a solution, they want a le- kind of a legitimate solution. You know, something a bit more, a bit more thorough than just a Garmin watch. Um, then, um, but at the same time, they don't want to have to feel like they're going to do, do a degree in biomechanics to understand it then that's kind of where we're trying to sort of bridge the gap a little bit. And in the future, we'll come up with some other things to try and do that as well. Um, but yeah, it's been an interesting uh, time again, you know, just watching people um, even where I live or where other places that I'm seeing, like people just obviously getting out running, trying to stay sane, um, clear their heads and do some kind of fitness. Um, there was some statistic that came out in the UK recently. It was published, you know, the, that showed the increase in bicycle sales in the last six months. It was quite astonishing. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> I can't remember the exact numbers, but um, but it was some ex- very, very dramatic increase in bicycle sales. Um, 
And I think there was some initiative by the government to boost it even more where you could get some sort of a discount on on, on, a, on buying a bicycle. And running's just kind of done the same thing, of course, uh, which has really kind of benefited the remote world. So whether it's kind of online running stores, you know, just buying your shoes, and then the running stores kind of relaxing their policies about, you know, about buying lots of shoes and then sending a bunch of them back because <laughs> you've tried them on, they're not the right size, they don't fit, whatever. Um, so I've seen that kind of change. And and obviously, yeah, in terms of, you know, how do we support runners um, who are getting injured or getting close to injury or whatever has had to really adapt as well. Um, you know, I've, I've seen it with clinics that I work with, you know, back in uh, April, May, June, the numbers just in, in physical clinics just went through the floor. Uh, a lot of clinics wondering if they're going to survive or not and how they're going to adapt. And then the last few months has just been this this sort of knowledge that we're not getting out of this anytime soon and then there has to be this adaptation. So um, whether at, whether it's, you know, uh, limited numbers into the clinic and segregating people in the clinic or whether it's or what is more commonly the solution really now is, is doing things remotely and what some people might call telehealth or um, or just some kind of remote monitoring using technology which obviously Runscribe kind of falls into that. So, um, so yeah, it's been really interesting to see this this whole shift sort of take place uh, over the last six months. And and I think some of it will be here to stay as well, you know. Um, maybe in a year's time we have a vaccine, maybe people aren't having to live by restrictions anymore because the health system can cope. Um, but I think some of the stuff will stay as it, as it has in the workplace. I mean, I, in the last six months, I've also been doing another uh, role as um, – as a as a technical leader uh, or sort of you know technical leader scientist in a in a in a big company as well, and um, and that company saw the shift of course earlier on in the year where everybody had to suddenly work from home pretty quick, and then there was a the big discussion of like a you know are people going to go back? Do we need offices? You know, <laughs> do people need to work face to face like in a team in a physical place? Um, and I think there's good reason to suggest that in the future. It, there will be a longer term adaptation and, and more companies will have their staff at home and embrace embrace video conferences and remote working and stuff like that. So uh, it's been really interesting to uh, to see it. And so hopefully for Runscribe, it's, um, it's going to be part of a bright future uh, for us. Um, we do keep pushing out like the, the updates. Um, we're just bringing out something that I've been looking forward to for about two and a half years which is um turning us from a two sensor or two pod system into a three pod system uh which is no um for anyone that's interested that is no easy job i can tell you (laughs) (laughs) um uh not least you know how you pair three things simultaneously and keep them paired and etc um so that's been a big step forward for us just recently literally in the last like week or so um so now we can measure from the feet and understand the foot ankle um, metrics, but we can simultaneously, in a synchronized way, measure what's happening at the pelvis as well. Um, which is something we've always wanted to do is to kind of close that, close that loop for people who have a medical perspective on things. It's always been pretty hard to know what's happening up at the hip pelvis area when you don't have a sensor directly there. So, um, so yeah, that's been a big step forward for us and. Um, then we've got a few things coming in the pipeline, like later on, um, moving forward to keep moving the technology forward. So, um, and then the big, big job for me will be to sort of keep the education piece going because, 
as everybody will know with wearable technology, it's easy to sort of create some fancy new metric or metrics, but it doesn't mean anything unless you can sort of um, tell people what it's all about and why it matters, you know. And it's the famous thing when we go back to sort of the old Garmin watches and the development of running metrics on a Garmin watch and <laughs> people are running along and the watch is like beeping at them. <laughs> it's giving them alerts and it's saying like, you know, you know, you're this number or you're this number after like one kilometer and you're looking at the watch and you're like, what, what, what does that mean? <laughs> it's like, am I doing something wrong? Is this good? Is this right? Should I keep running like this? <laughs> and, um, you know, and some of them are kind of measuring you compared to some previous run data that the watch has got stored about you. So, and yeah. And then probably for a lot of people, you just kind of ignore it and just carry on running. So it doesn't have any value anyways. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's, um, Anyway, that's all part of the, the challenge going forward. So, yeah, for anyone that uh, that is interested, you know, keep uh, I'll probably end up now posting a lot more on on Runscribe social media um, and, and putting some uh, some articles up on on the Runscribe site. So, um, so anybody who's interested in keeping like following uh, uh, this kind of stuff, this kind of injury prevention, biomechanicsy kind of stuff, then then uh, then Runscribe's the sort of new home. So yeah yeah so that's pretty much yeah that's been my sort of uh my personal little shift recently uh nothing like the shift that you've had though <laughs> no it's uh like i said i think i think there are some good things that can come out of this um and i think we can simplify our lives and then also in some ways there there has been greater connection um with at least that I found with, with my family and, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and, and that was before the diagnosis, like just, um, you know, we, we grew up fairly, um, I, I regimented <laughs> as kids, um, in that, like we come hell or high water, we, we went to church every Sunday. That was just like what we did. And, and so, um, even though that's not necessarily the case anymore with, uh, our family spread across the world, um, in different countries and different States, the United States and things, um, because of the closures and things like that, we actually mm-hmm. still have time to reconnect as a family, um, and have church and things like that because of technology or it's not really church. We just get on a zoom call and say hi to each other and stuff like that. But so in the same way, in in terms of training and things like that, I think there, there are some good things that that can come out of this in in that we can, um, we can slow down. We can, (laughs) um, I mean, I mean, there's certainly some things that are good about increases in in cycling and increases in running, but um, there there are also some concerns that come with that. We've discussed that before, but, um, but another thing is that people can learn to become more intuitive, um, with this technology, they can learn to listen to their bodies better because of the technology that you're creating. Um, I didn't mean to go off on so many different tangents, but I was trying to think of some of the, some of the, I'm trying to be as positive as I can and trying to frame, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> frame all of the, the challenges, uh, through a positive lens right now. Um, so you said that that some of this educational stuff will be housed on um, on the Runscribe yeah. site. Um, the the training that you just mentioned is that is that already live? Is that already on the Runscribe yeah. site? How do people access that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'll give you a health warning, like just uh, this. Or, yeah, like a health warning to start with. 
that uh, that the training the training is definitely for people who are keen to learn about um, about mechanics, uh, running mechanics, and um, and get into some of the details. So um, uh, yeah, so it's not it's definitely not a passing read or a passing listen. But um, for those of you for those people that are listening or, or hear this somehow, then yeah, if you are one of those people that that buys books and likes to read around the subject um, and wants to know more is like is is kind of thirsty for for knowledge. Then yeah, the course is is up. It's live at the moment. Um, we have it on the Runscribe site, so you can you can pick it off the top uh, menu. And um, yeah, uh, hopefully it gives a sort of um, a good, well-rounded sort of uh, knowledge share for people that go on it. But um, but yeah, we, it kind of is all about for us um, kind of bridging that middle space um, that we haven't really seen bridged that well so far. Which is which is between the technology, which is getting more and more powerful, and the other end, which is the the action part of it. You know, how do you do something? How do you how do you stop something happening or whatever? So that middle part is 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 the connector, is is the is the the ability to use data, the the interpretation and, and um, the understanding part of it. So so that's a big challenge that we're going to take on with Runscribe and particularly through the website. Um, going forward so yeah and 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 the the key if we get it right is is not sucking people's time not distracting them from running or distracting them from coaching or whatever it is that they're doing but creating something that that for an affordable price and and with convenience gives gives a workable solution that, that that helps people you know um so yeah that's kind of um kind of our our challenge going forward yeah okay well i now is is that something that people can stream is it a, a youtube video or is it a, a uh, good good question uh, i i i did a really bad job of explaining that um uh, so yeah um at the moment it's an online course um so you can um you can it literally is completely hosted within the site so you don't actually have to go anywhere um it does have a small depending on how you look at it it does have a a, a price attached to it so it's not it's not completely free um hopefully it's affordable for people um who are who are really interested in the subject um but um yeah it's completely hosted within the site so um and it's through uh videos essentially video tutorials so um uh, broken out into a series of chapters uh, each chapter has a different theme and um and the idea is uh to walk through it uh, in a sort of on-demand way and we th- i thought about doing it as as webinars like uh, live webinars which has the advantage that we can have some um to and fro kind of um question answer part of it uh, but the problem was that with the webinars is just getting people to do the same time was just really impossible um you know if someone's in australia versus someone's in the us and someone in europe is no way that we can hook up the same time and everyone can be there um simultaneously so so that's why i went for the on on demand version um and it just gives people that chance that because some of this stuff you can't necessarily digest completely in the first go, um, so uh, so this format gives people the chance to you know walk through it. You can stop the video, you can restart the video, you can come back a week later, go back to the video again. Uh, maybe maybe you run a workout, and then you're like, oh yeah, okay, I I remember Malk said something about this, and you can get back to the video like a, f- a day later and go check it out and remind yourself. Uh, the same for people who are working in clinics as physios or people who are coaching as well. 
um, the same. Uh, you can try something with an athlete where you can see something, uh, measure something, and then you can kind of come back to the video again, like a few days later and be like, ah, I think that sounds like something that Malk was talking about in the video. <laughs> so, so I think that kind of like uh, ongoing sort of perpetual resource was, uh, was a big part of the vision uh, for it. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so that is that is available uh, as we speak. But um, to be honest with you, on a wider scale, like I'm just kind of happy if people people just get into the subject and feel kind of like they have some personal ability and personal power to to affect their chance of getting injured, um, whatever the medium is for doing that, whether it's book medium, whether it's video medium, what have you. So um, that's kind of our mantra going forward with Runscribe is like is for us to just give people the best tools that we can for them to for them to go uh, uh, whether whether they're a runner or they're supporting a runner to, to get out there and um, and reduce injury rates if we can or at least at least mechanically affected injury rates we can't do anything about <laughs> we can't do anything about uh, someone having the wrong size shoe or or uh, falling over on the ice but um but anything that's mechanical at least yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's great well i i look forward to to tapping into that and i i'm certain that our um some of our listeners will certainly enjoy that and um i i know that i have learned quite a bit from you just by listening um so you're you're a good a good teacher you you, you are one of the few scientists that i know who who can speak science to the layperson and, and not confuse us even more. So, um, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. For the, uh, again, for anyone listening, like, um, as, as you know, you, you kind of mentioned at the start, like this is kind of a new, a new chapter for both of us in a personal sense, um, uh, personal sense, work sense to some extent as well. Um, and then, and then in a podcast sense as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, that's for sure. And, and one thing, one of the other positives that has come out of this and it both changes, but it, it has been a positive change is that, um, I, I mean, I, as a coach, I haven't been able to handle the load. Um, I mean, even before stuff started happening with my brother, um, just all of the changes, all of the cancellations, the, with the same number of athletes, the, the need to modify and adjust and rewrite and re <laughs> recreate plans, just at least the way that I was doing things, it wasn't sustainable because of the, the amount of emails and comments and changes that were required to respond to. Um, and then once things started happening with my brother, I just wasn't able to, I had already fallen a bit behind and then and then I just fell way behind. But the great part is that some of the other coaches that we work with, um, Manu, who was a guest on here before, um, Absolutely. yeah, yeah, Coach Carla, uh, Coach Eric Reyes, each of them has stepped up and helped out quite a bit with um, some of the athletes that I was working with before, or they've taken on any new athletes that have come. And so, um, I believe each of us has been impacted. Um, both with an increase of work and a cut in pay, uh, as far as, um, just things that have happened as a result of, um, of this pandemic. 
And, and so this has provided some of them, um, both opportunities to learn and grow. And it's certainly helped me. And it's also provided a little bit of work for, for them as well to, um, do you think, um, do you think that's kind of like in some, in some way sort of made peak run performance into a more rounded company? Um, and in, in the sense of a less, less Jacob, uh, company and a more and, a, and brought these brought the guys in and and, and sort of benefited the company in, in it being a more rounded company Did, am i yeah yeah i mean I, right I i definitely hope so i mean i i love coaching i love working one-on-one with with individuals but uh at the same time i like you feel like there there are a lot of pieces that i educational pieces resources pieces like the creation of that um even these podcasts that's those are high on my list of priorities of things that I want to do because I feel like I can benefit more people that way. Um, and so this is, this will hopefully allow me to at least dedicate a little bit more time or get back to dedicating more time to resource creation. Um, if, if these coaches can, can do some of the day to day, um, adjusting of the, of the training plans or responding to frequently asked questions that one of the goals of, creating the resources is, is provide those responses in, in easy to understand, um, ways. I, I mean, yeah, even, yeah. even with everything that's going on, I, I know I reached out to you and I reached out to a couple other people. Like I'm, I'm really excited about this, the idea of having a calculator of sorts, um, right. that, that yeah. integrates with the color continuum that we have that's based on effort and heart rate and, potentially even integrating power and, and things like that into it. So in the talk test. So I'm excited about that. That that's the kind of stuff that gets me excited um, because I feel like it will, it will help the athletes that I'm, that I'm currently working with. I just don't have the tools to, <laughs> the, the tools aren't created yet to share with them. So I, I'm excited about that piece. And I, and I feel like this, uh, my goal was never for it to be my, like my face on it or my philosophy or my way of seeing things. Like that's why I gave it a generic (laughs) peak run performance. You know, it's not Pusey performance, even though my brother and I are, our coaches um, under the banner, but um, it's, it's meant to be, you know, this, these are general principles that are applied um, individually to, to athletes, but um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so we're excited about, some of these changes um and mostly i'm just grateful that that i have such a strong support team of coaches that I, yeah. I trust um and and they they each just stepped up and said whatever you need and and i'm grateful for the athletes who who trusted me enough to say okay yeah we're we're gonna trust these other coaches um yeah and, and i'm also grateful for people being patient <laughs> you know things things aren't happening as quickly um in a lot of different areas like shipping is taking weeks if months longer than usual for things i mean there's so much that has been changed um in our lives and so i i hope that it just teaches us to be a little bit more patient to recognize we're all yeah it reminds it reminds me a bit you know there was this uh i don't know how many people would know this but um people who are really hardcore on on netflix will know this so uh, <laughs> I'm not plugging Netflix, by the way. I don't work for Netflix. But um, uh, this guy we have in, in Britain, quite a famous guy um, called uh, David Attenborough. He's a naturalist in Britain. And uh, so he has a new uh, 
show, whatever you want to call it, on Netflix. And it's just released, I think, like last week. Um, but yeah, there was, there, it just reminds me of something. He had his he has this great way of like kind of talking about nature and like making it applicable to um, to human beings. And one of the things that he was talking about was um, was the you know when um, I think he was talking about the oceans and um, and the idea of the of the food chain and the ecosystem, right? And and that things really kind of depend on each other. And so when you have like um, like an extinction or near extinction event of a particular key species in the in the food in the food chain in, in the web, um, that uh, that it causes a ripple effect on everything else, and um, and then things that depend on that animal now have a problem because um, they don't have a food source. That animal's disappeared, and then if they go and decline, this whole thing just kind of ripples down um, down through different species. And he had a great way of summarizing it, which was like which is back to this idea of like that we all kind of depend on each other and we all need each other to be as good as possible and the best in the best health that we can be in. So I thought, I thought he had a great like way of kind of linking the natural world to, to kind of like more of a human, human um, um, parallel story that um, for each one of us, uh, we do better if everybody around us does better um, in the same way that, you know, the animals in the sea need, need that as well. So, um, and I feel like that applies to COVID. Uh, and then it kind of applies as well to your, to your example there with, uh, with coaching and peak run performance. Like, yeah, that, that idea that each individual person can p- p- perform at their best and get the most if all the people around them are also looked after and are doing the best as well at the same time i thought it was quite neat but, yeah. yeah yeah i agree i i feel like as as humans we often um we almost try and denounce that we are animals and there's some that there are some things that we could learn <laughs> from the animal kingdom you know uh I, I, it seems like as people often we we try the civilized thing to do is to uh is to is to not act like animals um, it, or in, in some respects that like, you know, we, we have conventions and things like that, but, it, but I think uh, sometimes we forget that there, there's a lot to learn <laughs> from, and, and, and we don't need to, um, we don't need to be ashamed of, <laughs> of the fact that we, we, we are mammals, you know, and, and that we do depend on, we need to live in symbiosis with one another, but also with our natural environment and, Absolutely. Um, yeah. In so many ways. So I, I think the more we can get outside and connect with the flora and fauna in our area and even uh, with our neighbors <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, yeah. In, in our, in our local vicinities, but also even around the world, I think um, it helps us recognize that shared, shared humanity and shared biology. So <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, indeed. All right. Okay. That's the end of my pearls of wisdom. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. sounds, sounds like a good place to stop. I appreciate you making time. It's getting late for you. Um, no so worries. thanks for listening to um, episode one of season two of the art and science of running podcast. And, and we have um, some interviews that we're excited to share with you and we hope to begin recording more soon. Um, but stay tuned. We we're looking forward to sharing what we have and uh, learning with you.
Thanks again for listening to the Art and Science of Running podcast. If you found this episode interesting, entertaining, inspiring, or informative, please share it with your friends on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, and tag the Art and Science of Running so that we can reshare it. Better yet, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. This will help others with similar interests find this free resource that we've created for listeners around the world. Many thanks in advance. I'm atop the highest mountain See the people down below Bend and drink from crystal I'm going for a walk.